Good morning, and peace be with you. May I direct you to your bulletin and the insert for Lead Me to the Cross, Reformation Lutheran Church. We have some announcements in here. I think that I'd like to direct you right now, and the rest you can read yourself. Easter flowers. Uh, there's two different ways to donate this year. You can fill in an order, and the cost is $9 per plant. And the second way is by donating money for flowers to decorate the Easter cross. So there is a sheet out in the narthex for that. And I just want to point you that way. It's always beautiful. It always smells so delightful uh, when we have uh, the cross decorated. And uh, so thank you for that in advance. Also, the right in the middle of the page on the right-hand column, upcoming events. Karen's worked real hard to put together some speakers as a result of a survey that you all filled out. And so we have one coming up uh, Thursday. And uh, this is going to be about dementia, Dementia 101. And so I would encourage you to come. It's at 1 o'clock to 2.30 and it will be right here at the church. Also, uh, in April on the 25th, there will be a legal and financial planning uh, event from 6 to 7, and we get to hear some ideas, some processes, some strategies for uh, you and for those uh, in your family and those that will someday be your heirs. So. All right, some... I see Tim back there, so come on, Tim. <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing about the audio room is nobody notices you until something goes, and then everyone turns around. I want to thank you guys for that, too. That you are, uh, I really appreciate it. And I think that is about it. Ed, did I miss anything? I missed the Easter choir. Next uh, choir rehearsals will be March the 27th and April the 3rd at 8 p.m. after the Lenten service. And all voices are welcome. That's right. So saith Liz. All right, that's right. Okay. Um, anything else? No? Our Lenten services are delightful. Oh, there is one thing. I'm sorry? The orchestra, that is the Praise Symphony Orchestra. It's right below the upcoming events, Sunday, April the 14th at 6.30 p.m. in this sanctuary. Please come. Okay. She said two things. Was there another thing? No? Are we done with our announcements? Okay. Get the hook. Move on. All right, well, uh, why don't we stand? Our opening hymn is Immortal Invisible on page 526. Let's sing as unto the Lord.
the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you and for his sake. He forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, I therefore, by his authority, declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord.
Let us pray. O oh God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ezekiel. I would encourage you to read the introduction to Ezekiel in the book, in the Pew Bible, but it occurred to me that uh, Ezekiel is a prophet of God about close to 600 B.C. So 600 years before Christ, Ezekiel is tasked by God to deliver warnings to the Israelites. And what's going on is the Israelites are being politically correct. And so they feel that Everything they're doing, though it violates God's will, since everybody's doing it, it must be okay. So we're not the first nation or the first time in history where this occurs. It's 600 BC, right? Same thing. So it's Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 7 through 20. And it can be found in your Pew Bible on page 1339. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways, and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. Son of man, say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offense, offenses and sins weigh us down, and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? Therefore, son of man, say to your people, if someone who is righteous disobeys, that person's former righteousness will count for nothing. And if someone who is wicked repents, that person's former wickedness will not bring condemnation. The righteous person who sins will not be allowed to live, even though they were formerly righteous. If I tell a righteous person that they will surely live, but then they trust in their righteousness and do evil, none of the righteous things the person has done will be remembered they will die for the evil they have done. 
And if I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, but they then turn away from their sin and do what is just and right, if they give back what they took in pledge for a loan, return what they have stolen, follow the decrees that give life, and do no evil, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the sins that person has committed will be remembered against them. They have done what is just and right. They will surely live. Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just. <clears throat> but it is their way that is not just. If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, they will die for it. And if a wicked person turns away from their wickedness and does what is just and right, they will live by doing so. Yet you Israelites say, the way of the Lord is not just, but I will judge each of you according to your own ways. The second reading is taken from Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13, and we'll read that responsively. It's printed in your bulletin. Psalm 85. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob, the iniquity of your people, and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior. Put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness brings forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. The epistle this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. And this can be found in your pew Bible on page 1782. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with the first verse. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. 
Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things, as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1619. Glory to you, Lord. Luke 13, verses 1 through 9. Now, there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or, those 18 who died when the tower at Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it 
and I'll fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I want to start with another prayer and I want to end with this prayer as well. It ties in the theme of all of our lectionary scripture today. And it is this. It is, Lord, show us the shortness of our time and the nearness of eternity so that we do not fail to redeem the time that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of Jesus. In fact, nothing good, as I've said before, nothing good comes from any other source. Not me, not you, not anything from this world. In the name of Jesus, we, we proclaim this proclamation this morning. Interesting, hard words. We, we get an a, a underlining theme of repentance, that you need to repent. And if you don't, there's going to be judgment. We get that from our first lesson from, um, come on, Ken, Ezekiel. He's talking to son of man. He's, he's, he's talking to the prophet, and he's, he's, he's telling him that you've been given the word of God, and you need to go out there and tell the people to dissuade them from their sins, because if you don't, and they sin and die, your death is going to be, excuse me, their death is going to be on your hands. You will be punished. You want to be a pastor now? It seems to me pretty clear that God takes this word pretty seriously. And that when he entrusts it to those that he puts in the office of ministry, that they need to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help them God. They need to tell every little bit of it, every jot and tittle. They also need to not water it down nor leave parts out because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You want to be a pastor? Well, you already are because you're included in that as well. You're part of the people that have been given the gift of the word. And you and me and all that have ears to hear that have heard the gospel have a responsibility to speak it clearly in love. We'll get back to that. I do love one of the last parts, though, where uh, he claims out, yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just. You ever heard that from, that's just not fair. Doesn't it sound a little bit like that? It's, it's just not just. And <laughs> he says, the way of the Lord is not just. Okay. But I will judge each of you according to your own ways. Isn't it interesting? He kind of turns that in and around. His way's not just. That's not fair. But he will judge each of us according to our ways. That's heavy. That is heavy, heavy, heavy. Judgment's coming. 
dark, right? Is that not a feel-good passage? No, it's not. It's not something you're going to see on a motivational plaque or a poster somewhere. You know, that, that is a warning sign even stronger than the bridge is out. Second part of this that we see is uh, Paul talking to the Corinthians, and, he, and he, he uses the Israelites and the example of them in the wilderness to point the Corinthians to a, well, as a mirror. This is what the Israelites did. God's chosen people. He rescued them from captivity, and they wandered around, and they did all these terrible things. And by the way, you are too. Take a look at that mirror. Well, let me look at it too, because it's me. We're falling short. And he is giving them a, a recipe to, to really to repent, to come back. To, to you, he, he, he talked about the, the Israelites drinking from the rock. And that, that gives that, that wonderful vision of, of Moses. Well, he was supposed to speak to the rock, but he struck it twice and the water came out but all along the rock was there all along God was there providing for them even though they were in disobedience he says to them there is going to be a time of reckoning just like the Israelites there is going to be a time where you've got to pay the piper as it were the Israelites were disobedient and, and we remember this one I can't get out of my mind but with the snakes I don't like snakes anyone here like snakes oh my goodness well, there's one. <laughs> have you ever been bit by a snake? You have? No. Okay. Well, I haven't either, but I don't want to give it a chance. Otherwise, that will make a, well, it might make a good uh, uh, point up here at the pulpit. But the fact of the matter is that those snakes came and they bit people. And they died as a result of that poison. Even though God, through Moses, gave them a way out of it with a serpent on a pole, all they had to do was look up at it. And they would survive those Adlers, that stinging, awful death. But some didn't and some did. Paul's warning that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Repent. Okay, pastor, I'm still not feeling much better. Where are you going with all of this? This is dark and heavy. Well, here's where I'm going. The gospel this morning, according to Luke, tells us about Jesus and some in the crowd came and they told him um, kind of like uh, the latest news. In fact, they just got off a uh, pick your, pick your uh, station. I'm not going to name any. How about they said, extra, extra, read all about it. Guess what happened? That dirty dog, Pilate, took and killed a bunch of Galileans and he mixed their blood with their sacrifices what do you have to say about that Jesus the latest news of the day and unlike maybe some of us his commentary was uh, you know wasn't gee wow that's really terrible you know I wonder what they did no he says says to them he turns it around do you think that those Galilean, Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Isn't that a little bit like us? We see suffering. Maybe for a moment, you ever found yourself wondering, well, I wonder what they did to deserve that. I think that's pretty typical. 
man dies of lung cancer. Well, I wonder what he did to deserve that. Was he a smoker? Man dies of a heart attack. What did he do to deserve that? Did he eat poorly all the time? Hurricane comes through and wipes out Nolens. Some people said, well, that was a sinful place. Maybe that was God washing it away. I don't think so. And that is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, he's saying, do you think that they deserved it more than anybody else in Galilee? He also brought up the uh, tower in Siloam that fell on 18 people. He said, do you think that they were bigger sinners than you are? That's why it fell down? He's warning them, and Paul was too, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. The beginning of our service, we say, if we say without, we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Do not think that others deserve what they get any more than you deserve what you get, when it's good or bad. No, Jesus is talking about this in such a way that this is a fallen world, fallen things. Since the fall in the garden, sin has been breaking things apart. The earth is falling apart. You and I are falling apart. There was a wedge driven between our relationship and God falling apart. That was the sin, and these things just happened. And yet, darn it, as good Christians, we just want to look at that cross and say, well, I don't know. They must have done something bad. There's got to be something in there that God you know, wanted to do. And, 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 and I want to I warn you, don't do that. We need to look at the cross straight on, and we need to know, okay, on that cross, Christ was pinned. He redeemed the world. He redeemed me and you, all of our ickiness, for whoever should believe, whoever should repent, and whosoever, ever, would be baptized. He's got everlasting life for you. But yet we want to look to the side and see, what is God doing behind there? Oh, the Galileans, you know, they were being pretty naughty. In fact, that one over there was dancing, and that one over there was drinking beer, and that one over there said a bad word. And so that makes sense, because Lord knows I don't do that. We want to put some sort of thing on there, because repentance and judgment are good for everybody else except for me. Don't judge me. So Jesus tells them a story, a parable. But before he does that, again, he says, let me tell you this. Unless you repent, you too will perish. What does that mean? Unless you believe in me, Jesus, you don't have a hope either. Any more than whether you died of natural circumstances or underneath a tower that fell on you. If you do not believe in Christ and confess him as Lord and Savior, you have no part And that's exactly what Ezekiel was telling us, too, from the Word of God. Unless you are with God, you have absolutely no hope. So here it is. Jesus tells the parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. Interesting. Fig tree, fruit. It's in a vineyard. It's behind a wall. There's a tower. There is all this infrastructure to cause this area to be set apart 
protected from animals, protected from bandits. It's been irrigated. It's been cared for. It's been trimmed. I mean, it has everything there for that fruit tree to produce. Like a little heaven on earth for your fruit tree. No weeds, no nothing. And so we hear about the owner. And the owner comes along and he says, this is not producing, cut it down. Well, number one, he's justified to do it because he's the owner. It's his. He paid for it. And it's not producing. It's his tree. It's taking up space. It's taking up nutrients. It's taking up work. And it's not given anything. Cut it down. He's got every right to do that, doesn't he? He does. And yet, intercedes the vine dresser. The vine dresser says, you're right. It hasn't produced. But let me do this. Let me work on it a little bit. I'm going to dig around the roots. I'm going to loosen the soil that might be packed. I'm going to give those roots some, some air space, if you will, some ability to absorb moisture. I'm going to put some fertilizer in there so it has food to eat. Let me work on it. And if after a year, and it doesn't produce any fruit, that you have every right to expect, then cut it down. Anyone get any thoughts of who the owner is and who the vine dresser is? The owner's God. The vine dresser might, might uh, surprise you. We might think, well, it's Jesus. And yeah, in one aspect, yes, it is. But the vine dresser is, the vine dresser is religious leaders pastors the vine dressers are you oh i'm laying it on you you've been given the word of god you've been given power God's ear. You're God's children. You've been given that power to be called children of God by what Jesus did on that cross. And there are vines out there that are not producing. You're not those vines. So don't think about that as yourself. You're not those vines. You're producing fruit. Those vines that he's talking about are the vines out there in the world that do not know God. Those are the vines that are out in the world that think, I'm fine. In fact, many roads lead to God. Those are the vines out there that think that different religions worship the same God. And I'm telling you, because of the Holy Bible and what it says, they are not. There is only one God, the God of the Holy Bible. All the rest of the gods are little g gods. They're either still in the grave with their bones and or DNA there, or they never existed, or they fall down in the wind and they have to be picked back up. There is only one God. And he sent his son, Jesus, to come and talk to us and to teach us and to show us the nature of the Father. And so, 
this parable takes on a little bit different meaning when we see what God expects. There is judgment in that where the vine dresser and the owner say, yeah, if it doesn't produce, cut it off. But there's one thing that we didn't talk about this entire message, and it's the most important part that there is. There's mercy. There is mercy on behalf of the owner. There is mercy on behalf of the vine dresser, me and you. There should be. Because we all, at one point in time, were vines that did not produce. However, when Christ came to us through our baptism and put his Holy Spirit into our heart, and when we were covered in Christ, we died in a death like his, we resurrected in a resurrection like his, we now are producing fruit. But once we were not... And so when we look out at those vines that are out there that are all shaggy and growing strange or stunted and not producing fruit, we need to have mercy on them. And we need to feed them with kindness and love, not judgment, with prayer. We need to hand them over to the owner and say, give them another chance, Father. For they know not what they are doing. We need to come alongside them and, and love them. It's not our job to cut them off at the root. It's not our job to throw them into the fire. It's our job to feed them like that vine dresser, to give them mercy until the time in which they produce fruit, which is in accordance to what God's plan is for each and every one of us. So in the meantime, what do we do? We pray. We remain patient. And we know that God's timing is his timing and it is perfect. Yeah, but the person's not getting better. Yeah, well, God's timing, keep praying on them, keep loving them. But they're not producing fruit. Yeah, God's timing is his timing. Keep praying for him and love him. I hesitate to add this last bit. But when we read that parable, how old do you think that tree was? You said three years, right? For three years it hasn't produced anything. Three years in agricultural time is a long time. But I had the opportunity to to have uh, somebody teach me about uh, how the orchards worked and the plum trees worked in Israel time. For the first three years, the plant was not touched. It was a child. It was not ready. And then the fourth year, it was circumcised. In other words, there was no fruit for three years. They weren't touching the fruit. In the fourth year, they pruned it up and got it ready to go. And it wasn't until the fifth year that they would take the fruit. So for three years, nothing was done with that tree. The fourth year, it was consecrated. It was given to the Lord. It was, if you will, circumcised. And three more years, 
that owner looked at it. That's a seven-year-old tree on my ranch. That's not producing. I got family that's in agriculture, and they have to be patient. But I'll tell you what, I'm not. I'd cut it down. Thank God that he doesn't. Thank God he gives us eyes to see that we don't cut it down, nor do we cut the people who don't seem to be producing fruit down. We love them, we pray for them, and we wait patiently on them. And last, I close with this. The prayer that I started it with. Listen. Lord, show us the shortness of our time and the nearness of eternity so that we do not fail to redeem the time we have been given. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you please stand? Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed found on page three of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in
Let us pray, crying out for his mercy, confident that our Father hears our prayers because the Son of Man suffered, died, and was raised for us. Our Father in heaven, continue to establish your saving covenant with us as you did with Abraham, that we who surely deserve nothing from you may rely on you for everything. While we were still sinners, at the right time, you gave your son to die for us. Grant us repentant hearts and faith that rejoices that his death was reconciled to us, that his death has reconciled us to you, Lord. In your mercy, hear our prayer. Our Father in heaven, look with your kindness upon all who hold public office in our land. Fill them with your wisdom. Give them both courage and compassion and make them a blessing, Lord, in your mercy. Our Father in heaven, be with those who pass through difficult times and show sickness or heartache, loneliness or despair, and particularly those that we name silently in our hearts or with our lips out loud. Heal each one as you know best. Provide for those who lack money, home, or the necessities of life. In every time of testing, teach your children to hold tightly to you in faith, <laughs> that in the end they may know the comfort of your love. Lord, in your mercy. Our Father in heaven, you know the many temptations with which the world would snare us and draw us away from trust in you. Set our minds not on the things of man, but on the things of God. Grant each of us a faith that confesses with joy that Jesus is the Christ. And also give us faith to daily deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow him. Pour out your spirit on those who proclaim Jesus here and throughout the world. Bring those who do not know or trust his love also to believe and rejoice in the reconciliation of our Savior accomplished for all by his blood. Lord, in your mercy. Our Father in heaven. Prepare the hearts of those who receive Christ's body and blood this day. With our Savior in us through the Eucharist, grant us a peace that rejoices even in sufferings. By your gracious working, let those sufferings produce endurance to us. Let endurance produce character and let character produce the hope that is never ashamed because you have poured out your love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Our Heavenly Father, your Son promises deliverance from evil. Receive our thanks for the victory over death and the grave that he won for us. Bring us with all your saints to celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. 
Into your hands, Father, we place ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you please stand? Please pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all nature For the sake of Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal in faith and life and bring us to the fullness of grace 
that belonged to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy. saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his triumphant, glorious coming again. Let us together pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us, our Father, who art in heaven. vineyard owner has prepared a feast for his people. A glorious feast, one that actually does nourish us, one that feeds us, and one that saves us. And since you have, all of you, confess Christ as Lord and Savior with your lips, I heard you, I saw you, then you may come because the table is prepared. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
stand. I read something recently, somebody being snarky, and they said, I can resist anything except temptation. And sometimes I feel like that's true, but if we go to God's word, we know that, he, that there's temptation, that he doesn't give you anything that you cannot, cannot resist with his help. And thank God we don't do it on ourselves. Thank God we've been grafted into his son. So that vine stands, that, that, that root is strong, and we just need to cling and to come to him in prayer and supplication. And now the benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is the Spirit Song on page 5 in the bulletin.